New York Fashion Week is over. New York Fashion Week is over. It was a hectic week, but not necessarily for the reasons that one would think. You know what, for me, at the beginning of the season, that is this first week of September, first into the second week of September, there's always, it's the is the first day of school in many respects. Mm-hmm. My clients are back from holiday, so they want to go shopping and start outfitting themselves for the season. People are in town from all over the world that you want to see. And so the, a lot goes on. And of course, the obligations to not always seeing shows, but whether it be presentations, appointments, lunches, dinners, the whole bit. So it was a very hectic week for me, but by no means was I sitting crazy numbers of runway shows trying to identify what's going on. Yeah, would you, do you want to, even? Well, I think, let's start by saying this. The way that one approaches um, Fashion Week coverage these days is very different than it was back in the day. It was all about identifying the trends, uh, connecting the dots in those sort of things. Now it's about fashion culture, identifying who's moving the needle forward in a cultural way, not necessarily always in a design way, but there's the backdrop of these fashion shows are probably more important than actually what comes on the runway, I feel. I think that's definitely true from our standpoint. I think New York specifically, it's a lot more commercial of the four main cities and it's definitely designing for the buyers and the magazines and the street style. And it's, it feels very, um, the end, the output is less about, the, is less about creativity. And so I think we surmise um, and distill the context with the backdrop, et cetera, et cetera. I don't even know that a lot of people are checking for that, if I'm honest. Really? You think people are just checking for what's coming down the runway of each designer and try to identify what all of that means and what they're going to buy? New York just feels, New York Fashion Week just feels very much like it's driven by the commercial component of the sales, the bottom line. Well, for me personally, I would look for a lot of that, for a lot more of that cultural commentary from London or Paris, not so much Milan, but there's something about New York that feels very kind of black and white. About the business of fashion, with a couple of exceptions from the season, but well, I was about to say, in fact, some of the most noteworthy shows had nothing to do with. Well, I would I shouldn't say has nothing to do with the commercial side of fashion, but shows like Ecoslata and Telfar and Pyre Moss, you know, those kind of brands that are getting an incredible amount of attention. I think a disproportionate amount of attention in this climate. Disproportionate, do you think? Yes, disproportionate amount of attention in this climate for really? sure. But they are their messaging is um, is really well amplified in this climate right now, and their designs are very challenging. <laughs> well, I think from a philosophy standpoint, I would say that they are the exception to the rule. So I think they really fall outside of a lot of what I'm talking about, which is the, to me, the only thing that made Fashion Week interesting but do, in New York. But do they really fall outside of what you're talking about when Vogue, actually Vogue has identified all three of these collections, the <laughs> top 10 collections of the season. That's another conversation which hopefully we can have in this discussion, well, which I is think bizarre. It's, I think it's part of Anna Winter's diversity talk. Okay, so let's identify this. And or Vogue Runway has included Ecoslata, Telfar, and Pyre Moss in their top 10 roundup alongside Ralph Lauren, 
Thoreau, Gabriella Hearst, and those kind of brands. <laughs> I find that all to be very interesting. <laughs> I think that it, what you should expect from this era of Vogue, I think, like I've said many, many, many times, it's Anna's last hurrah to really reconcile a lot of the challenges, which, to be quite frank, she has put in place. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, she's on this whole diversity tour. That's like one of her number one, you know, missions at the moment. And I think that that this is a, a testament to that. She's definitely, or they are definitely looking outside of their quote unquote establishment brands. Um, I mean, Telfar did win the CFDA, so that's not really surprising. Uh, the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, Ekel Zlata is very much a darling amongst um independents and people who are a certain sect of fashion that she's trying to, you know, align herself with. Um, and Pia Moss, I mean, you would have to be a real stone to not really draw resonance and, and affinity to that collection. I mean, it was so timely and reflecting where we are in this current cultural climate that you would literally have to be dead inside to not give that any level of recognition. Okay. I think one of the most powerful images that I did see actually was really interesting was, I don't know, I don't, I forget what this situation actually was. It was Anna Winter standing next to one of the, um, like kind of white t-shirts that said something like, um, you know, do you see me now or something like that? I actually forget the exact phrase, which is, probably pointless when doing a podcast but um, I think it was see me now question mark yes and I thought it was really powerful and interesting because just that juxtaposition of like her with her iconic bob and sunglasses looking head-on at this collection um that speaks to so much about obviously black American life and all the context around that and what that means socially, politically, economically today in America, but just also what it means in fashion. I thought that was really interesting. And given all of the attention, which you think is disproportionate, but I think given all of the attention that platforms like our Vogue Runway, Vogue.com have given, I think it's, it actually is quite special because these are things that are often really overlooked and seen as the other. So I don't know. I thought that was like a really interesting situation that came up in New York Fashion Week. And uh, and yes, I will I will note that as well. But it's funny that what we're speaking about, we're speaking about the messaging from Pyramos. We're not so much dissecting. Yes, you you mentioned the sloganeer T-shirts, and I think one of them was um, a "Do It for the Culture" or something like that. Stop calling nine one one on the culture. Stop calling nine one one on the culture. So I'm going to paraphrase. Oh, um, but no, yes. no, but I, no. I, I said it more like that in the sense that it's just there's something that's just so wonderful about that being on the runway in New York Fashion Week. Um, it was just really, really memorable. But I do think that the clothes were fantastic too. Well, fair enough. But I, I do think that the messaging um, the messaging took over where Pyramos is concerned and where uh, Echoes Lata and Atelfar and, and those kind of brands are concerned. I, to be perfectly honest, I'm looking at the the genius costing. I, the, I, see, when I say the, biz, the culture of fashion, those are the things that I'm looking at. Those are the, the needle um, or the culture shifting moves, I think, that was represented on the runway this season, not necessarily the clothing. I must say, Echo Zlatan has some has some some interesting propositions. I love the color palette. I love the combinations. And I certainly love the body types that uh, some of those clothings are mm -hmm. showing on. 
Uh, Telfar, I was a bit more challenged. The piecemealness of it all didn't really resonate with me. I was just like, wait a minute. I thought we were moving this forward. I thought with the CFDA money and this greater recognition, not to sell out by any means, but I thought there would be a bit more refinement. You know, maybe this like ugly fashion thing that's going on doesn't resonate with me, doesn't speak to me. Uh, and he's definitely firmly in that camp. But um, but yeah, I, I was I, I didn't I didn't feel that it was a clothing conversation. I thought it was a, a cultural conversation. I think that both things could be true. I think that they could they could both be as important as each other. I think with Telfar there definitely is a DIY element to his clothing that might not feel as refined as you say. Um but I think that's quite integral to his brand aesthetic. So I wasn't so much looking at that because I think with designers like that it's the sum of the whole um I think with Piermont I think that the clothing was so thick like I thought it was really beautiful I loved the message I love the way that the message was weaved and incorporated into the product um I love the logo I love that it was it took place in a week's bill mm -hmm. and with the cultural significance and historical significance of uh James Meek's I, I forget his his exact profile, whether he's been an entrepreneur or something to that effect. But effectively, he's an African American man who the town is named after. So his his importance in that region in Queens uh, is. It was founded shortly after um, slavery was abolished, so it was a very it was like one of the first kind of black founded towns. towns mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that, and that was... building has like massive significance, and the fact that even the fashion set, you know, how they don't really like to deviate from the standard locations. So yes. it's just that in and of itself, and uh, there was something really beautiful about the choir in all white whilst wearing like their Reeboks. You know, that whole collaboration. I thought that was really, really wonderful. And Fubu, which was really great, and I love that. I think that that's um, they did a. In all of this, there was a FUBU collaboration. So you saw printed on several outfits the FUBU logo, and it's almost like an update to that brand. And I thought that was a very natural uh, synergy and integration into Pyre Moss that, that, that worked. A hundred percent. And we spoke about it with um, Edward Buchanan in a podcast that will be coming out um, next week or the week after. There, I love the sentiment both with the collaboration, but the literal interpretation of For Us, By Us, I think was really, really special coming down the runway. I think the literal and the figurative element and the sentiment was was really powerful. But then do we then talk about the proposition from Mark Jacobs that YSL, Cristobal Balenciaga, all of that influence. Everyone seems to have um, seized upon that collection as quite a statement. But I have to tell you, historically, I've always had this issue with Marc Jacobs' collection. I've never found that they... Uh, they they're authentic. I've never felt that they, they, there is a brand DNA that travels through these collections and, um, and what you see is what's going to be realized in the stores. And in fact, that's actually a big disconnect for me. Over all of the years that we've known Marc Jacobs, let's say the last 20 years, never has his runway shows been um, suggested at, the re at retail. Never can you kind of find those propositions on the runway for sales at stores. So I've always been like, well, what is this 
theatrical sideshow that he puts on, and then when you come to actually the clothes, you're having this like cheap rendition of of of, of t-shirts and sweatshirts and whatever else that Marc Jacobs um, puts into the store. So for me, it just, it really I, I I will repeat that it's like this sideshow that has nothing to do with the brand when you come to want to shop. Yeah. That's funny. So I, I never see Marc Jacobs on the street. Like, well, no one... I see his clothing on the street. You I don't. just see, like, his accessories. He kind of reminds me of a bit of uh, Michael Kors, you know, like, this really kind of massive brand and personality. And the sh- runway shows are a distillation of where he sees the brand today, but it doesn't translate to sales or on a street level or on a consumer level. It's it's really marketing. I think more so than Marc Jacobs. I think so those that things he but he invests a lot in accessories. You, the beauty is a really big business. Fragrance is a really big business, and like I think that's how he makes his money. And I think clothing is kind of like a it's a marketing play of some sorts. So the casting, the epicness of the shows, the shapes, the this, the colors, and then that's the only time I personally ever see it. I don't see the such a massive disconnect. Uh, at Michael Kors, as I do at Marc Jacobs, at Marc Jacobs, I, that has when always. When have you been ever seen anyone wearing Michael Kors apart from all of that license? Well, stuff? you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Michael does Kors, he even make what's on the runway? Uh, well, Where you know, would you buy Marc Jacobs? Uh, well, you Kors buy it in Michael Kors store, and you'd be surprised. He has a strong prescription for uh, jersey dresses as a solution to to fit a certain body type. I, I'm, that's not maybe a revolution that you're talking about, but um, yes, he has things in his collection that are tried and true in a way that like a Dolce dress is a go-to for a certain no, audience. No, what I'm saying is Marc Jacobs and Michael Kors, never have I been at an industry event, a social event, walking down the street on the subway and been like, look at that girl in that Marc Jacobs dress. Look at that girl where, rocking her Michael Kors. For the former, just, no. For the latter, yes. You'd really? Be, yes, there's a lot of Michael Kors clothing that's out there, for sure. Oh, maybe I'm just really ignorant. I didn't even know that he really made his mainline collection clothes. It, it, yeah, you, know, you can get It gets distilled, for sure. But no, you can absolutely um, buy things from Michael Kors that comes off the runway and put it on the body. Oh, I thought that they were just sitting on all of that accessory, license, fragrance money. Um, but I think it begs the question, well, who's talking about, <laughs> what are, what is the, 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 the sort of, um, the cognoscenti, who are they talking about? I mean, yeah, they may, they may raise Marc Jacobs' name as like, oh, what a fantastical collection, but wh- what are they actually really reviewing, you know? Is, 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 um, Prowenza Schuler a part of the conversation in this age? I know, um, Ralph Lauren got a lot of acreage of coverage because of the 50th anniversary and so forth, but I, I guess you, you see how suspect I, or you hear how suspect I am about this whole arena. What really matters right now, uh, Henrietta? As it pertains to the clothing, though, the Prowenza show was sick, like, I wanted everything from that one-way show. It was so good. Um, I I thought it was okay. I thought that sort of like acid wash denim proposition. There were things in there, but I, you know, all I kept thinking, I was just like, I see that little acid wash dress that um, uh, Binks had on that I thought was super cute. But I'm like, I also see the twenty-two hundred dollar price tag that's going to come along with that. But that's <laughs> that's maybe a little bit too. <laughs> I really liked it. I think it's because, but I think it's because a lot of it did remind me of like a lot of designers that I really, really love, like uh, a Phoebe's Celine or J.W. Anson for himself or for Loewe. 
it was very reminiscent of that whole aesthetic that I think is what I was really getting behind. Fine. And it was definitely in that vein, but you know what I kept thinking about? I kept thinking about these boys decamped to Paris in all of this fanfare. They're only going to be showing, I think it was during Couture in Paris and they're decamping. I think that was like two seasons ago. <laughs> I mean, they're like, we're back. We're back. Like, as though moving to Paris was going to create all of this new energy for the brand. You know, we're not in that space any longer. So, seeing them this season, I was kind of like, oh, okay, oh, okay. So, you're, you know, um, legs between, how do you, hands between their legs? Or how was legs that? Be- tail between their legs. Tail between their legs, and they're back to the runways um, of New York. That's what I kept thinking about. I think there was a lot of movement, though, because you had Rodate and Proenza come back from. I guess they've been in Paris. Alexander Wang didn't show in New York. Victoria Beckham didn't show in New York. She's She showed in London this time. Mm-hmm. I think there was generally a lot of movement that, for me, meant... I mean, that bit got a little bit lost with Proenza. I forgot that they left. <laughs> um, but the show was really good. I thought it was really, really good. And then um, the role, I thought they, you know, they're so erudite and make such precise suggestions each season. I, I, I like the, the maxiness of their collection. I love these like epic sort of like ecclesiastical dresses and you know these full pants. Sometimes the dresses are over the pants and so forth. Uh, you know those girls I have to say they have carved out a lane in this business to do what the fuck they want to do and we know that they have a lot of money and they have good taste. They expect that we all have that much money. <laughs> the collection was a, the collection was major. It was really beautiful but but it's also like, does it even matter? Like, they are so far beyond aspirational. When I look at J.W. Anson or, um, I don't know, Proenza, it's really expensive, but I aspire to to have that clothing, to have that aesthetic. I know that I could potentially save to make one of those pieces. I went to the Row townhouse with my friend Vanessa, and I was like, who is even checking for these oh, prices? I, I mean, they are literally selling $50,000 bags. <laughs> $20,000 silk dresses. I was like, <laughs> this isn't even in the realm of possibility. They were selling $3,500 plus tax leather, sl- thin leather sliders. No. It's just so far beyond the realm of what is feasible and what is realistic that I don't even look at their collections with a real eye anymore. I kind of look at it, I think it's nice, and then I move on because it just doesn't, it's not part of my purview. It's just so far beyond. So what are we ultimately to take away from what we, in some cases, witnessed and in other cases, researched? What, are, what is New York Fashion Week in this age? And, you know, and why are brands, why are there so many brands that still clamor to be on there? Why do I not recognize more than half of the names? By the way, did you see that there was a, quite a representation of Asian designers, lots of names that I did not recognize. And can we also recognize that a lot of the Asian designers that I was writing about a decade ago from the Peter Psalms, from the Takoons, and those kind of brands, they're no longer existent. They're, they're no longer in existence. Isn't that bizarre? So people are not really talking about like this, this the, these sea changes that are going on. We just look at the calendar and we're like, oh, well, there's a, there's a lot of brand new names on here. Well, why? And do those names, do they stand a chance? I think that New York Fashion Week definitely needs a reset. That's no secret. I think everyone who works within the industry thinks that. Um, It's oversaturated. It's too much. I mean, just on a really basic level, um, 
trying to get to shows is problematic because one show runs 20 minutes over, then you're done for the day because you're just in this kind of domino effect. I think it's uncurated. I think it's very commercial. It's beginning to get uninteresting, but also one of the major things is that everyone else is trying to co-opt into it. So every brand has some sort of fashion week activation. Every car company has some sort of play. Every other brand is trying to create content around it. It's like, it's almost quite overwhelming actually to even look at your social feed during New York fashion week. And I think that's the general sentiment. People almost go to the other cities to cleanse their palette and really look at fashion for what the fashion is. It's almost like the rest of the cities are, your respite from New York Fashion Week. Fair enough, but you mentioned you mentioned a word uh, earlier there, content. I think, and I, a friend of mine re- actually contextualized this recently. Uh, like a New York Fashion Week has become a lot about content, not content of the yesterday, not content of the uh, critique and show reviews, but content of like the snap for the Instagram, the street style on the runway, in the room, it, it's it's kind of fodder. It's kind of fodder in the sense that, I don't, again, I don't think people are assessing it for, in a forecasting kind of way. Like, what are people going to have on their backs in six months? And, you know, this collection showed it, and that collection showed denim. And the, I don't, the connecting of the dots is not as important, but I think it does provide great fodder for this period, for the Instagrams and these, these kind of things. Yeah, I mean... New York Fashion Week is interesting. I don't I don't get it. It's a lot. Like I said, it's oversaturated. There are way too many brands participating. It's all about content. It's less about the context of any of it. It's just like buy more, buy now, buy more, buy now. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what the CFDA's relationship to any of this is. Like it's just all just a lot of stuff in a way that in London, I think there's a clear point of view. In Paris, there's a clear point of view. Even in Milan, as like kind of big boxes those brands are and like they're not really interested in diversity or new emerging brands or like anything that isn't a thousand years old. I think that even that has a point of view, even that in and of itself is a point of view. New York Fashion Week is like, what is the point of view? Like, what is it about? Well, that's why I that's why I seized upon the cultural impact of what's going on right now. Because, I mean, if you really took out the collections regarding uh, representation, I, I mean, I, I, there, there was such gender fluidity that appeared in so many collections. There was so much color. There was so much um, just different differently abled people. I mean, I know it's, it's a soundbite of the of the day, but it left an impact on me. It mattered to me. It mattered to, when I looked at these collections. I was like, oh, wow, look at this Indian, you know, transsexual uh, that's opening the show, um, as in the case of, she's not a transsexual, but rather a transvestite, as in the case at Discount Universe, for example. Like, those kind of things really, because Lata, I, as I said, they, I mean, their casting was beyond. Um, this duo from Africa was singing in, in the Telfar collection, I don't, those sort of images were, were left something with me. And I'm not saying that those moments don't happen and they don't have impact, but they can't breathe and have impact within the sea of other stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's like London, Paris, Milan, like it feels to be somewhat edited and curated that these moments can really stand out and define a point of view. But in New York, it's just stuff. It's stuff to pack in to the seven, eight, nine days of New York Fashion Week in a way that other things can breathe in other cities and have a very clear point of view, even if it's like three 
very distinct propositions, you can at least see what they are. In New York, I feel like there's 75 propositions that you have, you need all day to be able to research and distill and come to conclude. It's like a lot. It's like a lot to read. It's, it's very overwhelming. There's something that is very New York in terms of that like rat race, that pace. And it's less about, it's, it's not as sexy because it's just a lot of work and it's a lot of, um, stimulation and maybe I'm projecting but it's just even the moments that you're talking about are great but they're also mapped against a slew of other messages and content and stuff it's not very edited you know what's lacking right now I want to hear uh, from those in the trenches, I wanna I wanna speak to, and we, we may need to make this a as a some as a part of a future uh, podcast. But I wanna hear. I used to be one of those, like really in the trenches. Like I used to go to multiple shows a day, upwards of ten or more a day. I used to really know that culture. I used to live that culture. I wanna know from those people who are who have to go through the you know the system like that now. Just they, I wanna get their feedback. I wanna understand how they are approaching this what's important to them is it they're just literally warming benches and just turning up because they have to and showing their face what are they getting from it in this age what is the benefit of attending a new york fashion week in 2018 but it depends on your vantage point there's either the i have work to do which i uh, met up with a bunch of friends who are in town who are on the print and online side of things where they have to write about these shows and they were just like there's no time to even write and like figure out a whole thought about what I've just seen then you have the influencer blogger side which is obviously they're in it for their own content gain but to be seen so it's a bit of a different proposition and from my conversations and the people I'm speaking to then the people that could participate for the fun of it opt out Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's like even you just said yourself you're like I didn't go to many shows you didn't really you went to a few events but otherwise you opt out because it's really it's like a lot oh it, 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 it's definitely a lot and um, and as I said for me I don't feel like I need to be in the room but some people have to be in the room and when you're in the room it changes a bit when you're in the room you have a different it's a different energy so I would you know actually I would like to speak to the ones who are excited who are still excited about this game who are still finding you know who still have those butterflies before attending a show and feel like they left that show with, with some takeaway that you know that has impacted their life or will impact their work or whatever I, I, I'm, I'm I want to zero in because I think sometimes we're out of the out of the main fold. I'm actually drawing on the energy of of the conversations and like what I've been reading and how I've been speaking to people and from my own experiences of being around these people in these events for New York specifically, which is my point because that that energy isn't in London, it's not in Milan, and it's not in Paris. Like people genuinely are excited. It's like a it's like a moment. It's like a fashion moment in those other cities I know from experience I was just in Paris uh, last season like I know I do feel like it's just a different energy in New York that has been the case for at least the last three years that's what I'm tapping into it's less the specific cases of the shows that are interesting the this and the this and it's all like uh that's what I'm saying I'm just saying the overarching energy of New York Fashion Week is heavy it's like a lot it's overwhelming. It's even if you love the game, you're still like, 
oh my God, there's just so much to do. You know, if you're a new editor, I've got a friend who's a new editor. She's like, I'm so overwhelmed. There's just not enough time to be everywhere and do the work and the traffic, trying to be at the shows. And then they like are trying to tell me that I have to write these three things for the press release. And it's like, it's just a lot in a way that it just isn't for the other cities. And I think that's the energy that I'm figuring out. Like, how is that going to change? Because New York traditionally is the most progressive of all of these cities and so it's like are we gonna start kind of tapping more into digital beyond just like social content is there going to be a way to edit the calendar what's the cfda's role going to be in this how's it going to change i think there are so many other things like how are we going to give more mindshare to brands that or new designers that can't participate in fashion week but still you know it's there's just so many things to dissect and unpack So it's not that I'm being negative for the sake of being negative. I just feel like for New York Fashion Week, the energy is just very different because there's too much going on. Well, I find it interesting that the most topical story of the week was that being a fight between Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. (laughs) I don't know how that emerged as the most uh, topical story of the week, but that was the case. Do you have any thoughts on... um, do you have any thoughts on these ladies' participation in the fashion game and never mind their their behavior? I mean, their participation in the fashion game, I mean, they're major celebrities. So that in and of itself explains That's... that. Um, but we spoke about this. It was disappointing to see, obviously, as like two black women in that forum, that that would come to blows. And that's the takeaway from the entire event and somewhat the entire week. But it's also nothing new. I think that within it, there just seems to be this narrative that there's not space for two powerful black women. We've seen it historically with in many examples, whether it's, you know, Naomi and Tyra Banks. They even tried to do it with Beyonce and Rihanna with their two Vogue covers that both had like floral headpieces. They were trying to make that a thing. What I loved is that they both were like, we're not engaging in this. I mean, it's it's unfortunate but it's not anything that we just haven't seen before I just hate that it played out in such a in such a forum and then was kind of mocked by people that don't even understand the nuances of what their beef is about etc etc I don't know it was was disappointing but not surprising so then how do we sum this up Henrietta (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, what do you what do you think about the Cardi B and Nicki Minaj? You, you brought it up. <laughs> well, t- t- well, you know, for me, I thought it was a, a very disappointing display. I I don't think that these girls need to be acting like this in a, in in any forum, in any in any form. I don't think they need to set these examples for young uh, black and Latina uh, women. In fact, setting an example for anyone for that matter. So I thought that was a horrible, horrible display, and it was it was it was unfortunate that it was wrapped up in a fashion package i think that offered um that made it even more sensational because of the setting and in in couture gowns with like you know fabric ripped off from the bum and like bumps on face like what the whole thing is just shocking but you know i think for some i think such a such a sideshow um um probably was a welcome distraction for this right but that's what i'm saying it's like for whose entertainment though i think that's what was really upsetting I don't know, it's just all a bit love and hip-hop for me in a way that just reinforces a lot of the same tropes that just are not representative of all of us, but you know that they'll be used in that way. So I don't know. It was really unfortunate. 
Uh, so again, I'm going to ask that question. What is the ultimate takeaway? We've, we've gone in, in this discussion, we've gone in a number of directions. You know, we, we, we've spoken about some of the value of the, of the design, very little, however, on the, on the design proposition, one of them being by, by Pyre Moss. Um, we spoke about the establishment, the Ralph Lauren's and the Prohens of Schuler's and those kind of big brands of the world. We spoke about the inclusion of the indie brands. Uh, I mean, is there a clear narrative or can we leave this conversation with, with like, with like a, a current a nugget of something that that blankets this 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 past week i think if i had to pick one i would say that this season to end on a more positive note that new york fashion week is getting more plugged into the cultural temperature of where we are in a way that traditionally it might seem a little bit lukewarm Mm -hmm. so to your point about gender fluidity more diversity on the one way inclusive of newer, younger, more independent brands, messages that run throughout the collections and the shows, both literally as they're interpreted in the clothing and uh, the, the overall storytelling of the shows. Yeah, I think that that message of diversity and inclusion and culture and like being plugged into those elements, I think, is probably the main takeaway. I would agree. I would definitely agree. As I said, I haven't seized upon any clothing, any designs that really I feel is is moving the the needle the needle forward. Uh, funny enough, I heard some commentary. This actually kind of shook me a little bit. I don't know if you saw the Tom Ford collection. That was one of the, if not, I think it was the first one shown in the week. And you know, it was very much in the vein of like a collection he would have shown for Gucci back in the day or YSL back in the day. And the response to it, at least from those who I spoke to, the response to it wasn't so wasn't so positive, in fact. I think a lot of people just felt the the oldness <laughs> of the of the designs and the and the proposition and i think they i think the feeling was that this has no resonance to anyone younger than in their 40s and i thought that was a i thought that was an interesting thing to happen in this time like how tom's ford glitz and glamour almost like impenetrable glitz and glamour always sort of it has you know it's very well encased and you're like you you you've always been able to look at it and be like okay i see that fierce woman you know that empowered woman in those fierce combinations it wasn't so much like that <laughs> this season. This season, you saw the tiredness, you saw the need to move forward, and that sentiment was expressed to me from different places. Yes, um, for sure. I also, actually, one of the major um, commentators, always, but this season, Robin Givan, she's just, she's such a brilliant writer. I love her. Her honesty and her ability to dissect these collections, I think, was everything for me um and just even to be able to was it the escada show uh-huh yes. <laughs> it's like talking about the trainers the ugly you know dad trainers where she was like there was uh, you know i forget exactly what she, she said but it wasn't ironic it wasn't necessary and it wasn't cute like it was like this whole like she is just so wonderful in unpacking a lot of what we're seeing on the runway so I always value her commentary I do during, value her commentary during these crazy times of New York Fashion Week uh, I do I just wish she was a more personable individual but that's another conversation but yes I do value her critique I think that's also a really good barometer of of um of the industry what the 
critics what the go-tos are saying. So the, the Tim Blanks, Alex Furies, Robin Gavans, you know, Nicole Phelps. Like, I am really, I, I like to continue to read all of their commentary about the shows. Even Kathy Horn. Wait in on, on yeah. New York Magazine. Um, yeah. Yes, yes. That's I, something I really look forward to, I think, on the daily for New York Fashion Week when I have time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't read all the criticisms anymore. I used to. I don't read all of them anymore because I feel that, um, you know, it's almost obligatory and it's not always warranted. I mean, for example, even talking about the Escada show, let's be honest, from a, from a, criti- from a criticism perspective, I, I mean, are we looking at Escada? Escada is almost like a garmento, um, but they're advertisers, so they therefore get that attention still in this age. But it, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It depends on who you're reading because there are some people like Robin Givens who are, um, Robin Givens, sorry, who is honest She's not paid to play. She never will be. Fair enough. I mean, some people are, and they. But you can even tell when people aren't in love with the collection because they literally just describe the collection, and I think that's the new bad review, unless it's obviously really bad. And then, you know, like lest we not forget, Robin's view of Ralph Lauren last season, I was dead. Excoriating. So um, they do still happen, but yeah, I find that the commentary around the shows is really is sometimes more interesting than the show themselves truly and on that note shall we wrap up this uh this edition of the conversations let's do you think people just think that we hate new york fashion week that wasn't really my point no no we don't hate new york fashion week but if people pay attention to how the ways that we're discussing it is that it's just not a, a very clear forum right now it's not it's it's quite a mashup of things and we're trying to sort of decode what that area looks like as a lot of other people are and there is just not clear anymore it used to be very well defined it currently is not everything you said that's the better explanation than all the shit i just said for half an hour <laughs> and on, we'll leave it on that note because that's a really good note to end it on ciao <laughs>